Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. everybody and welcome in to winter is blooming a game of thrones rewatch podcast by us the penny bloom podcast today we are on season six episode six titled blood of my blood it was written by brian cogman the Cogman, and directed by jack bender released on may 29th 2016 i am colton robertson i'm joined by joseph george what's up homie oh what up what up always a pleasure to be here Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. We got a we got a decent one today. Wow, you know, this dude, uh didn't expect I mean, to be written certainly. by the Cogman though. You know, usually yeah. when I hear the Cogman, I'm like, okay, we're we're strapping in for for quite the the well written episode. Um, and it's not know. it's not poorly written yeah. by any means. Yeah, I guess it's written just uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just uh, you know what? I guess it's just not the usual things that we check in with. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. a lot of the story i think is is sam and gilly like for a quite a lot like a large chunk of the yeah. episode you really sit down with those scenes so and 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 those aren't written poorly it's just i guess for what i'm expecting in the show i'm i'm much more used especially to especially out of a cogman episode man yeah he mm-hmm. uh he usually takes a little bit of a bigger swing to be mm-hmm. sure but uh hey i'm not i'm not complaining it's a fine episode there's nothing yeah. to be too too upset with here but uh, yeah, if you're ready, we can go ahead and begin a, a location by location breakdown. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh, this we is will the... begin yeah. in the north, beyond the wall, the true the north. North, north. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, Mira is pulling Bran through the snow as he remains in a vision state, but she is clearly getting tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bran experiences a rush of visions: King Eris shouting, "Burn them all!" The Red Wedding, his family, Whites in Hard Home, Wildfire, Dragons, Jamie Lannister, and the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. And pursuing Whites are also seen. Uh, Mira cannot go any further and tries to wake up Bran, who comes out of his visions to say, they found us. She's like, wise, wise words, Bran. I think I could have figured that shit out. Um, yeah, poor Mira. I mean. I like it, Mira, man. She deserved, she deserved better. She deserved, I, like. I had, I had kind of, kind of a thought. Of like, because every time Brand's involved, I'm just like, all right, I got to think of of everything, every possible situation. Benjamin coming in here. I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but this is very clearly not luck. This was very oh, purposeful yeah. uh, by either the previous the Red Raven or Brand. I don't know, or if they're one and the same, who the fuck knows? But Mira, I'm like, hmm. I wonder if Mira was uh, just Bran's way of being like, at least I'll have like a a female companion with me, um, you know, because like they were they were kind of like hugging it up this episode. I I never really noticed that before, but they I you know they were afraid. They didn't know who the fuck Benjamin was. They were like saved. They just got you know went through a pretty sh- shitty experience, um, and they that they they only have each other now, you know. Mm. But I, I never really thought about it like that. It's like maybe this is Bran just setting them up. You know, we obviously needed uh, Jojen to get him there, Hodor to hold the door. Um, Mira, I mean, she makes it out. So, I don't know, maybe it was just kind of a, uh, well, at least I'll have a, a good friend, you know, with me wherever I go. And, I would uh, like I would like to think so. Um, <laughs> I think the further and further he becomes robotic, uh, the less mm. and less that that uh Ah, true. That I guess holds he's not weight. one for emotion. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Motion doesn't really mean much to him anymore now. Yeah, now. It did at one time. Yeah, this is the beginning um, of that. But I don't know. I just I, I never. Uh, no, I don't know if they if they play on that anymore um, at all. If like if it was just pure panic, they're just like hugging each other, sort of thing. But uh, I don't know. I was just. It was. It, it, I didn't. I've never thought of them as like a cute couple. But like, man, they went. 
they went through hell to find each other, you know, but like, yeah, they, uh, they've see. been through it. They have, um, Mira deserves better though. You know, a more human touch, I'd say, yeah. um, <laughs> for Mira, to but be sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I love me some Mira, man. Um, mm. But, yeah, she can hear the whites approaching through the trees. And with no energy left to pull Bran and barely enough to draw her sword, she apologizes to Bran for failing him as the whites come into sight. Mm. And just as all appears hopeless, a mysterious rider appears and attacks the whites with a sickle and a flaming flail. Damn. Once the whites in the immediate vicinity have been dealt with, he urges Mira and Bran to come with him because, quote, my line, the dead don't rest. Yeah, and I mean, they not, escape on horseback. Not much you can really argue with there. You know, they were like, "Well, I'm either gonna die or I'm just gonna go with this random guy on a horse." Uh, Mira was, you know, Bran, I love how he just literally yoinked Bran off the ground. He just yep. leaned over, just boom, set him on the horse. We're gone. And uh, I don't know. It was, it's it's TV magic, you know. At first, you were like, "All right, how the fuck is this dude here?" But no, tis all part of the plan. Yeah, he's uh, got he's got it on him. You know, later on. When they've reached relative safety and the rider is preparing a meal, Mira asks why he helped them, and the rider reveals he was sent by the three-eyed raven who, quote, lives again. Mm -hmm. Just as he says this, Bran wakes up, and uh, the rider reveals himself as a disfigured Benjen Stark, Bran's uncle, and explains that he was stabbed in the gut by a White Walker sword and left to die, but the children of the forest rescued him and stopped the magic that would have turned him into a white. And he explains that Bran must now be the three-eyed raven, and when the White Walkers come to the realms of men, he will be waiting for them. Did they give him, like, a crash course on uh, on everything three-eyed raven and uh, children I gotta of guess the forest so. magic? Um, yeah, because I love how he, I mean, he just seems to to know more than Bran, you know? I mean, I mm -hmm. I guess that's fair. Bran just I mean, he's been north of the wall raven. since season one, episode Ooh. five. I guess that that is true. Okay, so wow, yeah, he probably did die very or die very early. I'm I'm and... gonna I'm gonna guess it was relatively early. I don't think this is a recent development for Benjamin. You know, um, mm. wow, yeah, the children found him. They left him there to die, and the children found him. That's that's very. I don't know. Um, I have zero recollection in the books if this happens to Benjamin or he comes back at all. Um, well, uh, we're past that. Yeah. Oh, that is true. We're not even in book territory at yeah. all. Yeah. Now, right now we're now. post books. Benjamin. This is true. Uh, and I don't know if, if maybe this is something back, they put off maybe? from the books, but yeah. I'm assuming this is one of the plot points that, you know, George was willing to be like, yeah, and you know, Benjamin's fine. Hmm. Uh, he's not the same, but he's fine. Uh, you know his his cryptic ways of explaining shit to D and D. But yeah, this was a great scene. I really enjoyed it. I uh, I missed I missed some Benjamin. You know, he was he wasn't super relevant at the beginning of the show, but the impact he left on John was uh, one of the more. I mean, it got it got John killed. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. He looked up to to Uncle Benjamin, and he was like, "I don't want anything more than to join the Night's Watch." Man, if he could go back in time and uh, know what he would be getting himself into. I don't know if yeah. he makes that decision. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's – I don't know. What what a little drink did he make Bran there? I mean, he literally looked like he got a rabbit and squeezed the blood and shit out of its ass. Like, literally like a gogurt. Like, he literally just, like, gogurt squeezed a rabbit. And then it was like, here, Bran, drink this. And I'm like, have, wow. Have a slip. Yeah. I mean, um, hey. I'd I'd like to know at least am I drinking blood? Am I drinking shit? Am I drinking both? Am I I don't you know, he's been rolling with the children of the forest. Who knows what sort of magic elixirs he's cooking up, you know? Fair. Um, Do they just eat tree bark down there? Like what do they right. eat? Yeah, that's I never thought about that. They can't farm up there. It's cold as hell. You know, nothing's I guess they got magic. Fuck it. They can Vengeance they got flail too bad. His yeah. swag too different. His elixirs too bad, you know? <laughs> Yeah, what? they'll kill him. I wonder. I don't know. I wonder what Benjamin. What like? What's where's he been chilling? I mean, does he is he just constantly on? He's the just roaming. Run? He's just roaming the countryside. Damn. Um, he's. I'm sure he's got a base of operations. As um, I don't think we see Benjamin again until season seven when he saves John. 
Um, wow, he really just likes to come in at the last moment, huh? Bro is the is the yeah. built-in Deus Ex Machina north of the wall. <laughs> if you if you need a Deus Ex Machina and you're related to the Starks, you're in luck. Does he uh, save the out there? Squad? Like, does, is it the Suicide Squad that he saves, or is it yes. different? Yes, because John, wow. they leave without John, if you recall, because he falls beneath the ice. Um, and Benjen comes in and swipes him, huh? Yep. Wow. Actually, Boy. it's that's one of the... Benjen swipes him, puts him on his horse, and goes, Ride. I will not make it. Um, For whatever reason. Um, Oh. Okay. Yeah, one of those things... Like- where yeah, in season seven, it was just kind of like, oh, all right. You can throw uh, Brandon Mir on your horse, but you and John, I guess that, that's too, he was okay with, I don't know, maybe it was just, uh, yeah, that's, that is very strange. I guess yeah. it is a long horse ride. Um, but I mean, if it's for like your life, <laughs> no, maybe I think it'd that, be worth you know? it. Yeah. Maybe but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's it, it's it's fine. It's whatever, you know. Benjamin probably didn't have much left to serve the story with, but you know, it is true. what it is. Um, true. But yeah, we'll then head to Horn Hill, where mm-hmm. Sam and Gilly are approaching, and uh, this is they're they're heading to the seat of House Charlie, and mm-hmm. Sam warns Gilly that they must claim Little Sam as Sam's son, and that Gilly should, you know, maybe we we don't acknowledge the fact that you're a wildling. Okay, my my father, um. He might hate crime you, just out of a uh, just mm-hmm. just my guess. Yeah, um, yeah. you know. This, and uh, got I mean, uh, just an awkward first date, you know, or, yeah. or bring home to the parents. This one is a time where, man, yeah this this would this would be rough. Um, poor Sam. You know, we I love how we had the discussion of top five most hated people in Game of Thrones, just ever. Um, we agreed there are a lot of shitty people that come in just one episode and they're done and they die. But uh gotta stay in for longer. And uh this dad, he's he's top Randall. five. Yeah, he's yeah. number maybe four or five. Was four, Ollie four or five. We don't we really we didn't really land on a five particularly. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, but as those mean, that are most relevant. Yeah. I mean what Ooh. we witness him do and say on screen is despicable already. Mm. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's that moment at the beginning of this one where Sam's like, yeah, well then you know I had to, you know, abandon my birthright and my my home and my family on the threat of death for my dad. Uh, he said that he would kill me. Um, yep. mm-hmm. So that's pretty fucked. Um, yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing was wrong with Sam at all. Like usually, it's like you're a rapist, you're a murderer, you're a thief. You have nope. nothing left. You're a bastard. You have nothing. You're just even a little cubby. No. It's just, yeah, go make a man. This is like using the military, you know. Yeah. Like, I guess it's, it is just the kind of the equivalent of military. But, yeah, it was – this is like the most modern – it's still very old-timey. Like, they're talking about, you know, being a man, you know, hunting, uh, all the – you know, the Night's Watch, right. making a man of you. It's, it's still very old-timey, but, like, it felt very – like, at the dinner table. I don't know. I, I guess it's a no, time. Um, there's a – um... There's a very real connection to something that, like, uh, the the best thing I can point to in pop culture is mm-hmm. uh, Get Out. Whenever <laughs> well, they're riding, they're they're on the, they're in the car on the way there, and he's like, uh, "Have you have you told your parents that you know that I'm black?" And mm-hmm. she's like, uh, "No, I haven't. You know, it's not going to be." And then, you know, obviously, it's a bigger deal for obviously, bigger reasons. She very much um, told them. Uh, yeah, they knew, but, but uh, yeah, yeah, different, no, yeah. different like situation, the, the but same. Of that conversation yeah. mm-hmm. where you know, like it, it's it's very much so. Like obviously, it's not an on-site thing with Gilly here, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it's the same reaction that sadly a lot of white parents would have. Yeah, uh, like yeah, that's, despicably it would um, be kind of funny if like uh, like they sat down and like just visual like it's something that had to be said you know like you couldn't just tell visually that someone was just had black skins like yeah, imagine right. Randall like, sitting down and go, you're black you know or like <laughs> out of like a out of just verbal word of mouth like yeah. it had to be or something but no this no is- yeah no I, like that's uh, so that that's the closest thing that yeah that was what permeated this with like a real world feel a little bit is that like there is a 
you know, it sucks that in a world that's so fantastical and ridiculous and out there that the thing that we can point to and go, ah, oh, this is just like the real world is prejudice. Yeah. Um, you know, ah, it never ends. You know, it's, it's a, a time hatred tale. for a person because of where yeah. their ancestry comes from. You mm-hmm. know, that's, uh, you know, where they were born, which they had very much say in, you know, they, they had all the say in where they decided to pop out, um, yeah. on the, oh, yeah, that's, that's all the control on the world. Um, she certainly chose to be born to fucking Craster, you know? Um, yeah, only if they knew. Only if they knew that somehow Randall wasn't the worst dad, even <laughs> not even close, you know? Like, yeah, only, no. Actually, they only knew. That's nuts. Um, yeah, not even not even close to the worst dad. And he's still, like, one spot below him um, mm-hmm. in the most hateable characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, that tier, but, that uh, top tier is really just fucking. Oh, it's different. It's yeah. different. But, uh, yeah, we see where Sam gets all his grace and kindness, where he introduces Gilly and little Sam to his mother, um, and his sister, Lady Tala. And in spite of her rough appearance, both immediately notice Gilly's beauty. And, um, Melissa is delighted to meet her first grandchild. This was a great moment. Um, mm. yeah, the, the mom and the daughter, you know, they're chill. Uh, Sam's family's chill. Like, you know, it's, just the dad but yeah this what a i don't know it seems before if you you don't know the dad you know it seems it's all gonna go well you know here i don't know it's starting off great you know gilly's kind of underestimated you know she's she might be getting a little comfortable you know she's Mm -hmm. met the right people sooner that's true um yeah yeah i think very strategic that they were out on a hunt right whenever they were showing up i think yeah um but yeah this was I don't know. At least, at least a nice moment before the storm. You know, oh, it was lovely. I also loved her. Like Sam went to the Night's Watch. He never, he never thought he would see his family again. You know, and they, they certainly didn't expect that they would see him. You know, so mm, this little true. reunion where he sees his little sister and he's like, "Holy shit, Tala! Like mm, you're a fucking yeah. woman now." You know, like that. That it's all very sweet. I love, I love this shit. It's, uh, it was my favorite scene until a little later on. Uh, but you know, Tala tries to tell Sam of her upcoming betrothal. You know, she's like, "I have mm. to marry this guy. He's got yellow teeth, and I don't." And, <laughs> and her mom's like, "Okay, okay, that's enough." All right, um, let's move and on. I love that, like that just info dump that you can like only do with your sibling, where you're like, "Get this. This is what mom and dad are making me do. Check this shit out." You know, like, uh, or more likely, dad. This is what dad's making me do. Uh, but. Mm. uh yeah, Melissa shushes her, and Tala takes Gilly under her wing, offering her a dress and a spare bedroom. But oh. Uh, oh, no. that evening, they all sit down to the dinner that never ends, uh, along with Sam's father, yeah. Lord Randall Tarley, and brother Dickon. Um, incredible name there. Dickon? You're kidding Dickon. me. I mean, uh, he's not. Fun. he didn't actually seem too bad. Uh, he no, just had, like, all right. Line. He's just the golden yeah. child, you know. Um, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's the the Rob Stark. Of mm-hmm. the family, it kind of looks like he's uh, also he... more afraid to defy his father than Samwell is, um, because he has his father's approval. You know, um, I believe mm. that Dickon is eventually recasted as he comes uh, back. Oh yes, yes. Um, Dickon Tarly. Let's see. Let's pull him up. His wiki. Oh wow, he come. Wow. Oh my God, he's that guy that fights with yeah, like, that guy. Uh. Is he, is the Umbrella Academy Jamie? and against Jamie. Oh, wait, oh, that's where I know him from. Okay, yeah, yeah Umbrella mm-hmm. Academy. He's the big guy, big, mm-hmm. big strong boy, Luther. Uh, but yeah, he's a uh, he. Uh, actually, one of the more uh, important stops on Daenerys's road yeah. oh. to infamy. Um, Good old, but uh. Yeah, no, Dickon Tarly. It's actually like I think right here is played by Freddie Stroma, who is actually a vigilante and peacemaker. Um, oh, wow! The funny, goofy guy. Okay, um, yeah, okay, huh? Very different roles. Very different yeah. roles. Yeah, you just um, had to sit down for one line here at a dinner table, pretty much. But the other guy, I mean, I remember him, now that I'm remembering him i'm like yeah he's actually a little involved like a lot more oh, yeah. involved than i, I think specifically season seven you know i think well, yeah. it's crazy like i say season is. seven like it's far away like we're like four episodes away from season seven now so like yeah 
Um, That's nuts. That's too close. Um, King's Landing attends Cersei's court. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Jamie seeking to get Randall on his own. Wow, yeah. And then I, I, I vividly remember him riding a horse when Drogon comes um, and, and kind of just lays yeah, all of them. That's the waste. one. Yeah, that's uh, the one. That, that's what I remember him from. I didn't yeah. remember what he, how he got there necessarily, though. Yeah, but. I think they just kind of show up there. But regardless, um, yeah, this this dinner, it doesn't go well. Sam reveals, you know, he's planning to become a maester and eventually return to Castle Black. And uh, Randall criticizes Sam for his weight and mocks his attempts to claim hunting and fighting skills, both of which Sam admits can actually be attributed to Gilly and Jon Snow, respectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tala is delighted to hear that Gilly can hunt for herself and suggests that Randall should be more like Gilly's father, a suggestion which makes Sam and Gilly wince. Um, uh, yeah. Just specifically coming from the daughter saying that to her father. It's like, oh, <laughs> no, you don't want that. Um, no, she had to learn these things out of more of a necessity. Uh, right. she, did, she didn't really learn them from her father, really. You know, it was, uh, I guess... Did Craster, like, actually teach them to hunt? Or was he just like, fucking go find me food, you know? I'm I guessing bet, like, it was that, you know? No I don't shot. think he, he actually them took them out and was like, this is how you kill a bunny. And Bob, Let's have you know? a nice father-daughter-husband-wife moment, okay? No, he was probably um, like, I've made 12 other of you already this year. You, you learn from them. You know, it, he probably it said something from that, you know, along that line. Yeah. It's, um. So, yeah, but... I love how this was, like, just a, a little slip-up, you know? If, if like, at, at, Gilly's trying to talk up Sam so much right here, though. You know, she's like, she can tell. She's like, all right, this is not going well. She's like, all right, what's yeah. up, Randall? This yeah. dude has killed a Thent. He's killed a White Walker. You want to fuck with him? Fuck with me. Uh, I love Gilly. Love Gilly. Yeah. She's the shit, man. Uh, yeah. But in that little saying, she's, like, on her way down to the wall and it did just Random that life. one little word choice yeah excuse me excuse me what did you what, what, what was that what was that what um, would you mean by that um, yeah Ron, randall doesn't seem to take her you know take in her point about sam's qualities but instead only hears that she is a wildling mm-hmm. and randall reveals uh his intense prejudice towards wildlings and his contempt for sam and uh, Melissa, thoroughly angered by Randall's behavior, declares that Sam isn't the one dishonoring House Tarly. Randall is. Fuck yeah, mama. And then she storms out, taking Tala and Gilly with her. Um, and Randall eventually agrees that Gilly and little, Stam- little Sam can stay at Horn Hill. Gilly will work in the kitchens, and little Sam will be acknowledged and raised as a bastard. However, this will be Sam's mm-hmm. last night at Horn Hill forever. Yeah. <sighs> Eesh. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that was rough how the dad was immediately just like, oh, you're a wildling? Okay. Bastard, bastard child will keep the wildling here for service. You know, yeah. I was like, oh my god, like, really? It's that simple. It's that fast. It's like just no no other questions needed. You know, John so, Bradley, the, the, the actor for Sam here, uh, did an incredible job oh, in this just reverting man. into a child, you know, yeah. the way he like sits there and puts his head down and he, he like pushed there. his food away. Like there was many times that he like lost his appetite. Like he was, mm-hmm. he was eating and happy, like talking with his brother and mom. And then his dad said one thing, he pushed his plate away and then like someone offered him some bread, you know, and, the, and then his dad was like, Oh, you're gonna, you get you really, you're eating that too or whatever. And he's like, yeah. All right, whatever, yeah. dude. He's like, I'm wow. Sure, I'm like, sure that his father's bombardments are pretty tied to some body image issues for mm-hmm. Samwell here. Um, yeah. The whole reason he sent him to the – well, I guess a partial reason he sent him to the wall was that hopefully he could look look like a man when he comes yeah. back. And, and, yeah, like, of course, to Randall, putting yourself in Randall's shoes, you know, that that's what he sent him to the Night's Watch for. But then to hear that – Oh, I will see my son again. He won't be forever at Castle Black. And now he's going to be a maester, which like to him is like the gayest thing he could have told, you yeah, know, like, right, it's like, right. I mean, like the modern equivalent kind of, yeah. and it's like, but uh, you know, the, of course the mom is like, but dude, like, come on. Like, this is like a very high honor, you know, it's yeah, like, you need, you need maesters. We have a yeah. maester, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like the modern equivalent of becoming a doctor, a scientist, 
yeah. a like a renaissance man all in one basically fucking lawyer like, like they're everything yeah, bro exactly and like the dad's like whatever you know you're not I'm a like, military man then i fucking hate you uh, like yeah it's like i got a promotion i got a way better job um out of this so yeah I, yeah man i don't know uh, i look we then arrive at my favorite scene of the of the episode where Sam goes on to apologize to Gilly for not standing up to his father and that he will be leaving at first light. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they they don't necessarily say goodbye. You know, it's not like a, you know, it's don't say goodbye. We'll see each other again one day sort of thing. Un, unspoken a little bit. But uh, he leaves the room and we just linger with Gilly as she tends to little Sam. And then Samuel yeah. bursts back into the room. Oh, yeah. He said, we're leaving. Uh, yeah. I love it. I loved it. Uh, that, yeah, he, he sat with it. I wonder how long he sat outside the door. You know, how if he just went to his room, he was like, I think it would be no, hysterical no. if he never stopped moving. Like he left, he left the room, walked down the hallway, immediately turned around, walked right back in, you know, just, uh, there was no, there was nothing nope. short ordered about it, but, uh, yeah. He shortly uh, returns, declaring that you know he's changed his mind. They uh, they need to stay together, as uh, they belong with each other, and that they are all leaving right now. And on yeah. the way out, he takes Hart's Bane, the family's Valyrian steel sword. Let's go! Um, yeah, that's that's clutch. I was I was wondering. I was I remember the conversation came up of like all the Valyrian swords yeah. that are just out there right now, and I don't I didn't remember this one. Um, I don't think, um, but very very crucial. I I believe. Is this given back to Jorah? Does does Sam Jorah give it to Jorah? Jorah does eventually fight with it, yes. Um, because right, yeah. John tries to give Longclaw to Jorah. He and denies then, saying it is his. And Sam's like, well, I'm sure shit not going to use this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, very, very much more use in yeah. the hands of someone who that, will that was, that was the thing. He was like, Longclaw. I will use it, but uh, you are one of the greatest knights to live. Um, so... Yeah. How about I go ahead and pass this off to you, Sir Jorah Mormont? Um, feels like it makes more sense. I'll use a dagger or two. Um, no big deal. Um, but yeah, that was my favorite scene, and it concludes the story in Hornhill. And we will move on to King's Landing, wherein Tommen is speaking with the High Sparrow about Marjorie's Walk of Atonement, and uh, the High Sparrow offers to let him see her. And Tommen enters Marjorie's cell and is surprised to find her speaking positively about the High Sparrow, and uh, contritely about her past sins, including her vanity about being seen to help the poor and needy. And he finds himself agreeing with her feelings towards the High Sparrow. Mm. Yeah, just Poor little guy. Um, just doesn't know what to think here. You know, he uh, talks to the High Sparrow, and he's like, oh, yeah, okay, you're, uh, whatever. Like, I, I guess I like you. And then, Mar- you know, Marge is like, that High Sparrow, not everything he's cracked up to be, huh? And, like, j- he's kind of like, Wait, what's that like supposed to mean? Yeah. What do you do? You hate him? Do you like him? Do you like wait? Like, well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And then she's like, "Oh, right. I'm crazy." You know, I, I see. I must seem crazy. He's like, "Oh, no, no, no not at all." No. I, I, he's like, he's always just trying to like appease uh, everyone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's and, mean, Marjor- is- and Marjorie wants him to think for himself, so she's like, "Isn't he? He's not always cracked up to yeah. me." And he's like, "I don't." Know. And she's like, "Ah, oh, fucking this poor." goddamn kid yeah no like, i must I'm be crazy to you know? i'm gonna have to do everything my fucking yeah. self yeah. you know like, uh, i'm trying to get you to say these things that i want you to say without you realizing that i'm getting you to say them mm-hmm. but you're not doing come on dude just come just, on kid come on be be malleable yeah um, right be be a little mind i can bend to my yeah. every will um but uh later on we get probably one of the funnier scenes in all of Thrones, where Mace Tyrell uh, leads an army through the streets of King's Landing to waiting uh, to awaiting Jamie Lannister. Dude, oh my god! I li- like I don't laugh much and get like I'll, I'll have oh, the no. nose exhale or like a chuckle or like an internal laugh, but this one was like an I I completely forgot this happened, and Dude. I'm like. Thank you. I will I'm never like, forget that this happened. Oh my! It makes God. me cringe so fucking much. Um, oh, and Jamie, it makes Jamie yes. cringe. It makes like everybody like, cringe. Jamie um, just sitting there, like, okay, man. all right, dude. Yeah, I mean, you you let just me take did it that. from here. Wow, you, know, you like, just uh, did that. Unbelievable, and no, not even a single roar from the soldiers. You know, mm-hmm. not even a single peep. Not even you don't even hear a sword. Cl- it's just p- 
pure silence and uh they're like okay mace sounds like, like a deal let's go ahead and get it moving he has to know he's playing like no way he's like this in real life he, no way he's like this innocent he thinks he's playing like this cool <laughs> no no this actor you know? he knows he he's knows, acting you right know? like right he's not that innocent you know no that's how of, good of an actor he is, though, get, if you want to be real. Like, he is he is very, very good at what he does, you know? And uh, it, it seems like he portrays himself as a man who thinks he is the most important person in the room. Yeah. Um, well, I, he tries to speak very poetically, you know? It's like, justice has, or it's, chaos has stood for too long, and, and, in, and in its grasps, they have my children, um, just the the words. He, I don't know. It's incredible at how yeah, no, Terrell, he can be on uh, demand. Um, but yeah, I love Jamie's little look. Just like, oh, all right. I I guess we're going now. He like um, winces. You know, he's like, oh, he's like okay. He's uh, like, I'm definitely doing the talking whenever we get there. He's like, I am not letting you say a word to the high. Let, let, let me take this. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that shit was that shit was pretty fucking hysterical. Mm. Um but uh yeah, uh outside uh the great Sept of Baylor, uh the High Sparrow mm. stands with uh Sept Unella, the Faith Militant, and a large crowd of city folk preparing for Marjorie's walk of atonement. And mm. uh the army arrives, along with Olena Tyrell in a litter, as the uh High Sparrow is speaking, and Jamie demands he release Marjorie and Loris before they can quote be on their way. From right uh, here on is where my scene starts. Oh, it's this, good. It's good. Good, just you know, because there could be a fight. Like if you're not watching, like this could be a massive fight that's about to break mm-hmm. out here. Like uh, they they build attention for it for sure. But I just incredible. I think building. visually too. I love oh. a long ass staircase. You know, you can you can kind of tell the city in the background is is CGI. You know, it's I I don't care. I, the thing is, is that realism doesn't fucking matter if it looks good if it's if it's heightened fantasy Mm -hmm. and it doesn't look real that's fine you know like that's yeah that's what visual effects are for you know like i think this looked awesome Mm. no it was it was great and i think uh i don't know if it is because of it but in brand's vision you do see like a dragon flying over king's landing mm-hmm. um in there for a short second and then this this these shots kind of give you that that aerial view over like you see a mm-hmm. lot of the buildings in the background um and i don't know i think it's it's just a, a cool parallel if they are paralleling that i don't think that right, was right. the decision but just a, a cool shot nonetheless of my favorite of shot um comes here in a moment like my favorite shot of the episode undoubtedly but mm-hmm. uh the High Sparrow refuses and fends off Jamie's threats to kill all the sparrows by saying each sparrow yearns to die in the service of the gods. And after a few tense moments, he proclaims, but today that won't be needed. There will be no walk of atonement. Marjorie has already atoned for her sins by bringing another into the faith. And then he turns and allows the doors to open. And there's this moment where as Tommen walks out of the room, the high sparrow stares directly at Jamie, smiles, and then the camera like fades and switches focus to yeah. what's behind him. And I was like, "Oh, oh, that like, was fucking gold!" Like I hate everything he's doing. Like oh, I, I want so him. To blow, I, yeah, I want the sep to blow up so quick. Like I just want it to go. But like he's playing chess here. Like this. Oh, dude and is, he's fine. Like he didn't always yearn for this level of power. But yeah, now he's tasted it, you know, it's and he's there like, now. And he's like, oh, well, I'm a fucking take it, you know, yeah. like, uh, no man is incorruptible, you know, power corrupts. Absolutely. Is that the, is that there's absolute power corrupts? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It's just true. You know, I'd like to say that if I was, you know, handed a lot of power that I would do the right thing. I don't know. I, it's like, yeah. Even at like little recess, you know, you were like team captain for something. In that moment, you were like, "I am the fucking leader." Yeah, you know, I go on a fucking power trip, man. Things. It's all we care about, you know. Bruh, I, don't I know. work, I work in food, right? Mm. The amount of power that these motherfuckers in the health department are tripping mm. on is fucking nuts. Mm. Like 
the the fact that they have the ability to yeah. shut like change like come in and change everything makes them the most pompous fucking assholes I've ever met in my life. And they work at the fucking Independence Health Department, brother. That's like, true. Yeah, they. I mean the. What I mean, we, the real heroes, you know, that we that we need. Uh, to, I guess they do great work. They but do important man, work. Are they passionate no about it? Are they very passionate about their work? Oh man, they get that. Work? They get that taste, man, and it's uh, it's different. Mm. It's mm. different. Um, but, but yeah, it's a different power grab for the High Sparrow here. Uh, this is oh, actual they're, they're like empire levels of uh. Of, I mean, he's taking over uh, a, a king's land. Uh, he's literally the king right now. Mr. Rell's idiot ass. What's happening? Yeah. Oh. What is going on? I don't understand. What, it's, what, is, what, is, what, is, what is there more? Or what, what more could be going on? What else could be going on in this situation, Mace? You know, Mace like, has got to just be a fucking idiot. You know, he's like, what's going on? He looks right. at his mom. Yeah. You know, that's who he asks. What's Mom, Mom, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Mom, I threw up. Um, fucking lost, idiot. Dude, all right? That's what happened. Yeah. Fucking lost. lost. Yeah. That's what's happening. Um, yeah. Almost the, the line. Time, I'm furious Jamie sees at the High Sparrow's triumphant expression. And uh, later in the throne room, Tommen strips Jamie of his position in the King's Guard because an attack on the faith is an attack on the crown. Uh, this is this really an real- attack, though? Like, was that really... I mean, this was like, hey, we're showing our military strength. We want the queen and her brother back. This... Uh, Joffrey... Er, uh, Joffrey. Uh, Tommen was immediately like, no. You attacked the crown. You attacked the church. You must go. You know, and this is just the High Sparrow telling it. You know, oh, they yeah. need Jamie out of there. They want Cersei. You know, they want all of all of it for themselves but like i love how it's like yeah this an attack uh that they that they definitely they they had certainly here. a threat but True. not uh, True. not a not a, an attack but he reveals that Jamie will not have to face imprisonment or humiliation he can continue to serve his king and the lannisters just not in king's landing mm-hmm. and Jamie later complains to cersei that he has been ordered to help walter frey recapture river run but instead, he uh, he intends to have Braun find as many hired killers as possible, then march into the Great Sept and kill the High Sparrow. <laughs> and Cersei's like, "Don't worry, don't worry. I've I got you. I got I you got covered. Um, I so got you best covered. Thing, yeah. yeah, best thing you can do right now is go ahead and go to River Run. In fact, <laughs> get as far away from the city as possible because I'm about to wreck shit. Um, yeah." She didn't know if she would set off a chain reaction that could actually blow up all of King's the Land. entire city. You know, yeah, this is very fair. Actually, Jamie, might want to take a leave of absence real quick. Go show um, everyone how easy we can take a castle. Yeah, um, and man, these scenes always feel weird. It's like they're they're such good actors, though. Like they're so good. Oh, they're incredible. They're, but you have this like ugh, this ick, yeah. like this ick. It's like. It, I, I love like two people telling you know being like we're the only people that matter in the world the world is ours we're gonna take it they have no idea what they're in store for and then right. they're like yeah, we're the only two in the world we've always been together we'll always be together and it's like ugh like yeah I mean what you're saying it, yeah, it's because it, you were born at the same time yeah, to the same parents um, yeah, you were literally in the womb together I mean th- she's not wrong they were together. I mean, from birth. No, I mean, like, um, factually, what? Liter- literally what happened is she is telling the truth. Um, <laughs> they have literally always been together. Um, huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's it's always just a weird feeling, though, because I was like, like, I almost I, I, I don't think it was going to be my favorite scene. But like, even if like it was the stand like standalone scene for the episode, well, I still don't even know if I could like choose it just for how we've just reached weird. a point where Nikolaj Coster Waldau and Lena Hetty don't get one on one scenes a lot like th- mm. And I think it is part partly because of that ick. They I think there's a little bit of the writers know that people don't want to see that all the fucking time. Um, yeah. 
Like in our and, minds, and the fact that they enough. do use it so sparingly allows you to like not for not forget mm. that they're brother and sister, but like allow you to kind of take in their scenes with not a more open mind as in like, oh, you're going to be more okay with this, but yeah. just like less no of an, an outrageous putrid taste in your mouth, you know, like mm-hmm. you're just like, you will be able to watch it without just like vomiting basically. Um, yeah, but, it's weird. Uh, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it for them. You know, yeah, no, it's, it's bizarre, but like man. not, yeah, it's a very, it's just like, I, I've just come to accept it. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you know, this is, this is like what? I'm like fifth watch of Game of, fourth watch of Game of Thrones, fifth watch of Game of Thrones. I know I can't change it, brother. You know, like, I'm not going to do anything that can stop Cersei and Jamie from being together. I know they eventually die together. So I might as well watch this story and see it unfold as they Mm -hmm. perceive it, you know, like, and that's that more than anything is the way that I like going about watching this show now is trying to, understand the characters and their minds a little bit more than uh than most and yeah no this uh it's still disgusting but you know yeah. it is what it is what are we going to do um mm-hmm. we then head to bravos wherein Arya is watching the second half of the mummer's performance of the bloody hand in which the caricature version of Tyrion poisons his nephew and murders his father uh she dis- she displays amusement at the rendition of joffrey's painful death while the crowd watches mournfully um, she's laughing. Everyone's like, "Oh," um, even though the performance is like objectively funny. Also, by the way, yeah, um, I was gonna say it's because there were there were even some people looking at Arya like, "Really? Like you're really yeah. laughing right now?" I, I guess, limp. Like, I I died. You know maybe, that whole thing was fucking hilarious. I mean, I guess like back in that day, like people really idolized the king. You know, like that was even even though like. That was their true king, you know, for them, at least all, for what they know. So, like, I guess... This isn't their king. Oh, they're in Bravos. Wait, yeah, why the fuck do they care at all about Joffrey? Like, that is a weird crowd moment there of, like... Because, I mean, his death, he was trying to be funny, you know? Like... Yeah. Uh, I- I'm guessing it's more... I think it's because they framed Lady Crane and Cersei as the lead, you know, and kind of mm. watching things through her lens makes that moment sad, probably because the next moment is a powerhouse moment by Lady Crane here. Yeah. Um, it even gets Arya to be like, oh, oh shit. shit. Yeah, um, a mother losing her yeah. son. You know, like at the end of the day, it's, I hate, I hate her with every living part, you know, every waking moment that i am i think there's also something in aria that's like i wish i wish cersei was like this version Ah, that lady crane is putting on you know like if if that were the case then maybe i'd feel bad for her i love that like in this even in this little play the the person who takes the cake for the performance nod you know if we want to give a performance nod for just this little play it's it's the cersei it is the lena hetty in you know it's like right it is Lady Crane playing Cersei Lannister, and it, it's it's always the constant in Game of Thrones that's just good. Um, Lena Headey and, uh, I feel bad for not knowing, um, Lady Crane's uh, name in real life. I'm unfamiliar um, with her as well. Let's see. It is Essie Davis. Essie Davis. Um, played by Essie a hell Davis. of a job, Essie. Essie Davis playing Lady Crane playing Cersei Lannister. Um, yeah, that's got a, got some onion layers there, but, uh, she does a hell of a job. She does. Hmm. Um, always. Yeah. Even, even in the little play, the Cersei character is still the, the, the rock of the performance. Yeah. The, the highlight performance lady crane there. But, uh, regardless, uh, as the play is finishing, she sneaks backstage and poisons lady crane's rum hesitating before doing so and she's still backstage as the mummers come in and the lady crane recognizes her as having been in the audience earlier and the two converse and Arya realizes she has much in common with the actor Arya suggests to lady crane that cersei's final speech is uh out of character for the real queen mother cersei wouldn't be grief-stricken she'd be outraged and out for vengeance and impressed with Arya's insight, Lady Crane compliments her again and asks if she's enjoy if she enjoys pretending to be someone else. And uh, yeah, apparently like uncomfortable at what she's face. done. 
Yeah, What's that? Know, it, was, it was kind of two on the note. Like, uh, you like putting on other other people's faces or like something like, you yeah. know, I think it was like, do you like, I don't know, maybe it was just portraying other people or, or something like that. But I swear it was like a, a very on the nose, like, do you want, which acting path do you want to go down? The play yeah. where you don't kill anybody or one right. where you put on a face to kill people all the time. Uh, this, I don't know, I love Arya's story. And I like, I kind of forgot about this a little bit. Like, I, I remember Lady Crane, but I forgot how this was like very transformative. Like, this is what made no, me, this like, is this you know, is what like, propels her story into leaving mm-hmm. Bravos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next episode, or not next episode, um, either episode eight, I'm assuming it's eight. Um, the way that this whole thing fucking culminates, it's really fucking good. It's Man, really fucking good. I don't good. remember. Um, I guess the only thing I know is that the waif, does the waif die? Does she go back and kill the waif? I'm assuming. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Hold on to that. I know exactly how this was, plays out. But uh, if, so. if you don't remember, it's a wonderful thing to watch. So, um, apparently, uncomfortable with what she's done or unsettled by the question, Arya makes an excuse that her father is waiting for her, and she leaves. Mm. And the lady Crane argues with Isambaro about improving the script. And just as she is about to drink her rum, Arya reappears and knocks it from her hand. She points at Bianca and warns, "Watch out for that one. She wants you dead." And uh, unknown to Arya, the waif witnesses the exchange and reports back to Jockin, asking for permission to kill Arya. And Jockin reluctantly agrees, contemplating it is a, you know, a shame, as Arya had many gifts, and allows the waif to proceed. But she is not allowed to let Arya suffer. Yeah. And meanwhile, yes. I just I don't know the waif already asking Jockin, like if she fails, I want to be the one killer you know like mm-hmm. why what what is it just yeah, not she's really been through it. the values of the faceless men yeah. yeah i guess she's probably just been through it the most recent out of anybody the like training process and i bet it's you know was this aria's last test like was this you kill you know you do this you're in you know Basically, sort of thing yeah i yeah. think so um, i mean what she's been through it's gotta suck and once you're on the other side you're i mean i I feel that she's like, all right, now we get to do this to someone else. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess they're they're killers. That is what they do. So, oh yeah. Well, and also, I think like I'm I'm interested by Jockin's, um sort of indifference for the clear vendetta that the mm-hmm. waif has against Arya, and I wonder mm-hmm. if it's because he knows how, um, if he knows how it'll play out. Almost like uh, yeah, it wasn't like it's a like not a shame that she's going to die it was more of like what a shame that we won't have her in yeah. the house of black and white like it's like i i kn- like he knew she was going to continue on mm. and and just just yeah, what a out. shame she had many gifts is what he says yeah like, yeah not like what a shame she will be missed as you know like uh, wish she wouldn't uh, wish she didn't have to die or whatever the fuck yeah but. And, and like, even when the waif is like, so, you know, that deal, like, I can go do it right. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We do have to kind of kill her. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Don't let her suffer. You know, yeah. it was, he was like. Make it quick, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, all the while, Arya retrieves Needle, demonstrating that she has forsaken her desire to become a faceless man. And once more is embracing her destiny as Arya Stark. Mm-hmm. She hides in a small room blows out her candle, and waits in darkness for the retribution she knows is coming. Yeah, and I mean, that's... She's got a... Man, how do I not remember how the fuck that goes down? I don't know, because that's the most interesting part of this whole fucking storyline to me, uh, is the way this culminates. It's always been my favorite part of the Bravo stuff with Arya. Um, Fuck. But I remember um, what she goes on to do, like, in Westeros... But as far as what she does before she leaves Bravos, I couldn't tell you. I'd be guessing. I'm assuming right. she kills the wave because I, goddamn, I, I mean, I think that that does happen. I, I, so, but I, how? No fucking clue. No idea. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, yeah. I mean, if you don't remember after this wow. episode, then you just won't remember. There's a. Yeah. No, I'm coming up with nothing. But, uh, Nothing. At the Twins, next, Walter Frey receives word that River Run is lost, retaken by the Blackfish, 
and he is flabbergasted, blaming his sons for allowing the Blackfish to escape at the Red Wedding, despite having superior numbers. And Lothar Frey and Walder Rivers inform their father that the House Malister and Blackwood have risen against House Frey, and the Brotherhood Without Banners are rallying the small folk and raiding their supply lines and camps. And Walder mm-hmm. demands that the Tully stronghold be taken back, refusing to be humiliated for failing to hold a castle from rebels. And he's, he decides to use his trump guard to force their surrender. Edmir Tully, held as a prisoner of the fray since the Red Wedding. And Walder brings him into his hall and jokingly tells his son-in-law to cheer up as he is going home. Um, yeah. yeah. I forgot that he was kind of there the whole time. No, yeah. He's been uh, there for two and a half seasons, almost three full seasons. Yeah, I think this was this was more of like a reminder for the viewers. Like, hey, hey, remember, uh, this is the guy who did kill Rob Stark and, and Catelyn and, you know, the, uh, that whole Red Wedding thing. Remember, the actual the, the actual marriage that did happen there was Edmure Tolley. You know, yeah. he was, he literally was like, remember who actually got married at the Red Wedding. Like, it was yeah. kind of like a to the camera, you know, or kind of like it seemed that it was like, hey, viewer, remember, all the way back in season two. Or whatever. Yeah. Three, uh, yeah. Is. is that three? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the end of season three. That, but that is, yeah. okay. I, I see. You can pull out an episode and like, like off the title note, like I didn't even know the red wedding, the biggest episode in the entire show. Could have been two <laughs> or three. Could have been two or three for for all I knew. I mean, it's so long ago, especially the way we're watching it. That was fucking. True, it did feel almost like thirty two. weeks ago. Uh, yeah, it did. It did feel like season two. Um, if I thought about it, you know, if I'm like, okay, what happened at the end of season two? Oh, that'd be Blackwater. And then now, right? It was like seven months ago. I'm right with Blackwater, right? That's Blackwater the is the two. end of season two. Yeah. Okay. And then I'd be like, okay, so that makes sense that then season three. So if I yeah, think I, about it, I can get it. But like off just immediate knowledge. I get you. I get you. Yeah, I can. uh, the The penultimate episodes, I have a pretty good grasp on. Mm. Okay. The penultimate and the finale, what season they fall in, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. They're kind of mark the marking points for me. Uh, But uh, yeah, that's the end of the story there, and we'll head to the Dothraki Sea to wrap up the episode, wherein Daenerys Targaryen is riding with Dario Naharis in her newly acquired Kalisar of one hundred thousand. Uh, she asks Dario how long it will take to get back to Marine and inquires how many ships would be needed to carry her army across the narrow sea. And Dario replies that it'll take a week to get back and at least a thousand ships to take her new Kalisar across mm-hmm. the sea. And pondering this, Daenerys tells the Kalisar to halt as she rides on ahead on her white horse. And after a while, Dario announces he will be looking for her. Yeah, I love, I love this. She is literally like... They're all just standing there or sitting there on their horses. She hears the wind. You know, she's like, oh, I'll be right back. Wait right here. Um, oh, wait a like, second. Drogon is near. Yes, um, this the mind connection is very real. Like, I think this this was like, I don't know, to show that very much so. And I literally think she was waiting. She was literally waiting to see how long they would wait there because right. the second Dario starts to be like, "All right, I'm gonna go look for." Her. Yeah, and yeah. get some some shadows of of Drogon. Just me. When did we last see Drogon? Wasn't it? Um, was it just episode? Was it episodes five? Like at uh, no, because she just burns down all the calls and she walks out. Drogon doesn't do that. She she starts no, yeah. to fire herself. Because I was trying to think, Drogon looks so much bigger here. Like he grew. Yeah, I don't was know. the he last grew. time we saw him when he like? I mean, he carried her off to, like, out of the fighting. Yeah, out of, out of there, yeah. and he landed in the Dothraki Sea, and then she got taken by the Dothraki at the beginning of the season. I think and that's that was it. it. Yeah. So it was at the end of last season then that we would have seen. Drogon. Is that the end? I can't remember if that's the Is finale that... of season five or the premiere of season six. Um. But either way, it's one of those wow. two episodes. Yeah, I don't know. For um, some reason, he just he felt like he hit a growth spurt here. Yeah, like bro's, he just... uh, bro's a big boy. Bro's mm-hmm. a big boy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, Drogon appears and slowly circles the Kalisar before landing, revealing Daenerys on his back. And Daenerys asks if the Kalisar is willing to cross the Narrow Sea 
defeat the armies of the Seven Kingdoms, rip down the keeps of its lords, as Drogo had promised. And when they shout their affirmation, Daenerys reminds them that every call in history has selected three blood riders to ride at his side at the head of the Kalisar. Daenerys, however, is not a call and does not have to abide by their rules. Therefore, she declares the entire Kalisar as her blood riders. Yeah. All, all speaking Dothraki. So, um, Amelia Clark gets the fucking performance and it's that's, easy, bro. That's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's undeniable. She's speaking a made up language and, uh, I am, I am even in my room getting hype and wanting to fight for her army. You know, I am like, yeah, I'm screaming with her. This is what Mace Tyrell wishes he could do a tenth of, you know. Um, right. Yeah. Like yeah, even a fraction of what Daenerys is doing here. Uh, Mace thinks that this is what he's doing in his head, though. Like he really, yeah, like he, no doubt. Like, this, this is this is exactly how it plays out in his head. But yeah, Amelia. I mean, I think it was pretty, pretty undeniable there, um, for Amelia Clark. And uh, I mean, it, it's short. You know, very short. She's just uh, they show up. How many ships? I need a thousand. Oh, who has that? No one. Oh, okay. Uh, stay right here, real quick. I'll be right back. And then, but boom, Drogon and boom, come fight for me. Yeah, like uh, I already had you guys. You already were following me, but now you're in for sure. I mean, here's here's my baby. Here's my Drogon. Um, how do you? I got two motherfuckers just like this too. Exactly. This isn't even my only one. Uh, he's the big boy, but uh, definitely the favorite. You know, that's that's usually the mother. You know, it's. Try not to try not to be biased, but that's uh, it's definitely the case here. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, named after Call Drogo as well. You know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, she, Drogon's got everything. Um, but but yeah, that concluded the episode there. And mm-hmm. you know, talking through it, it was uh, it was better than I remembered. You know, it that's, was better than true. yeah. It is. I did. I did say, you know, at the beginning that like, oh, it's a Cogman episode, but it's not written poorly, um, really at all. Uh, now that like, but yeah, it's a Cogman. it's a different kind of episode than he usually writes for sure. Yeah, I felt like they were setting up a lot of other things. Um, like, all right, uh, Marjorie's finally out. She's brainwashed, or seems, you know, is like we don't really know what's going on with her. But now mm-hmm. the Crown and and High Sparrow are are teamed up. That that's in full force. Uh, we got, fine, you know, Benjen coming in. I, oh, I don't know if I if I outwardly said this. I gave him the character. Um, oh yeah, I gave episode. Samwell. I gave uh, Samwell my character. I don't think I outwardly said it either. Yeah, um, yeah, gotta. I uh, probably deserves it, you know, more than Benjen. Benjen's very short and sweet, but uh, can't really can't give Benjen too many. Uh, that uh, at all. And even when he comes back and saves John, I'm assuming he probably won't get that one either. Uh, for that episode. But uh, I don't know. I I I, I like the I like I'm paying attention to Brand's storyline very closely. This watch, and uh, I don't know. Good old Benjamin, just him. Like I love I, I loved him popping up. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't say my line. My line did come from Gilly. Um, and it was when they were. It was during your scene. Um, and she says, "I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the horrible. Or I'm angry that horrible people can treat good people like that and get away with it." Um, what what good old Gilly said. Yeah, I, I usually I have one or two nods going from the same scene or same person, but this time I actually completely I have they're all different. They're all in different locations this time, which usually doesn't happen for me. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, I uh I know I don't know. It's kind of a not like a masterfully done episode. But, like, visually, I remember, like, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, the, the King's Landing scenes were, were done really well. Even, like, uh, in Sam's, what's what's his uh, place called? Horn Hill? Even yeah. Horn Hill. Like, the dinner was shot well. Um, even, like, Gilly just standing in her room, you know, being like, is this my life now? You know, you kind of get that second with her before Sam busts back in the room. And, right, right. And, uh, I don't know. It, it, I think... I don't know. Maybe I was a little too harsh on it at first. Um, I think critically it does well, but I don't know, like enjoyment wise. No, yeah, it's uh, still not my favorite episode of the season by any means. You know, I think, but not not too terribly low. Like 
eight eight two five you know yeah. eight five somewhere in that range episode one was an eight seven five so and that's the lowest we've given anything this season oh okay um and uh, i mean i think i i don't know i think this is probably the least enjoyable episode so yeah no far. i probably i'm um, I, I'm not left cold, but I'm certainly not like, oh yeah, I loved that. You know, like I, I would, I would say eight, eight, five is fine. You know, mm-hmm. just a little bit below. Cause I, I would say it's probably the least enjoyable, but it's not like by far. Um, no. Yeah. That, but critically now, um, pretty strong. Yeah. I, I did like the vision. I did, I guess, notice the visuals here a little bit. Usually. I don't um, perform. Yeah, I would say that this well. is more. It's it's interesting, you know. We've we've hit the stride where it's it's after you know it's after the books and everything gets a little bit more heightened because now it's just TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not it's not based in it's not based in source material. Um, I would say this is the most akin to the early seasons of game of thrones as far as season six has come and it's pretty strong in that mm. regard like i would i would go nine probably um yeah i mean that's would be third place for the season so far we've given or actually uh third place yeah we've given uh episode one three and four uh they're in the eights range um and i think i think around a nine uh, around a nine is fair um because last episode was a nine five the door i think mm-hmm. that one was was probably done done better um let's see book of the stranger was an eight seven five was episode four i think yeah i think i'm around like an eight seven five or a nine here yeah yeah um you think it deserves that bump up to a nine i think so or, i think so okay. i think it was uh I think visually it was that well done. I think that it was mm-hmm. written really well. And I think that because of that sort of uh, feeling like it's, it feels like an earlier season of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. which is rare at this point in the yeah. show. It might be the last episode of Thrones. These, this one and maybe the next one are like the last couple episodes mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones that feel That's like true. the Thrones I mean, of old. Um, we're getting close uh, to... Like once Battle of the Bastards comes around, it's like that's we're all gas from there, baby. Yeah. It's, there's, there's not a lot of rest that's taken. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there we are. It would would average it out to an eight eight three, uh, so an eighty eight percent. It would put it looks like third, bottom three. I guess third place so far um, for the season out of six. Oh. Um, so. Yeah, only only above Oathbreaker and the Red Woman episodes one and three, um, so far. But yeah, I guess I, I came out of it as kind of like a meh um, whenever I first watched it. But after talking about it, I'm like, wait a minute, like this yeah, is no, uh, yeah, it had some moments, it had some strength to it. Yeah, this um, was done well. I guess usually stuff flows better, or there's like some thematic themes that you can tie between yeah no we are a little all over the place here to be sure um it is kind of bouncing around bouncing around and we're getting to a point where every storyline is branched in its own direction so completely Mm -hmm. that there's not a lot you can do to be like and here's the thing that binds it all you know like it's we're out Mm. there but uh yeah. yeah with that i think we will conclude this episode of winter is blooming if you would Head to patreon.com slash pennybloompod where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, including all sorts of book reviews, comic book reviews, movie reviews, and the like. For $3 a month, you can support this podcast financially, which is huge because it costs me money and I don't make any off of it unless it's over there. Head to Twitter and letterboxd at pennybloompod. Follow on Instagram at pennybloompodcast. Remember to leave a five-star rate and review wherever you might be listening and to continue to download. Here's to December being a better month than November. We're off to a good start, and uh, we've hit the ground running, and I'm very happy with that. Um, it's It's been nice. Um, and we've got we've got plenty and plenty of content coming your way. Um, this week on Wednesday, we continue our Michael Mann director spotlight with uh, the Insider 
The Insider mm-hmm. is this Wednesday, starring Russell Crowe and Al Pacino. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by that one, so that'll yeah. be that'll be this Wednesday. Um, and mm-hmm. then this Friday, we continue our comic book movie journey through film with Thor. And yeah. I'm very excited for that, as I am a oh, huge yeah. fan of that movie. God of um, Thunder. Let's go. God of Thunder. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's exciting. I'm very excited for that. But we will be back next week for Winter is Blooming with Season 6, Episode 7, titled The Broken Man. So please come back for that. Um, but with that, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom, and the dead don't rest.